This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Tuesday morning wake-up call. And man, <laughs> it is a—it uh, was a tough wake-up call here uh, in Middletown, Connecticut, this morning for me. A long night last night. The Red Sox, of course, on the West Coast, playing in Anaheim last night, and uh, the game went damn near four hours. I didn't get to bed until uh, sometime after 1.30 in the morning. And uh, so uh, we are flying blind this morning. Did not have time to do my usual prep this morning so I could squeeze in a little extra sleep this morning. So forgive me if I sound incoherent at times, but I will, uh, I will do my best uh, on limited sleep. But uh, it was a fun game to watch in terms of uh, a close game. But it was uh, nail-biting at times. Shohei Otani's birthday yesterday, and everybody, I think, was expecting him to go off. And um, Actually, it turned out that he came up with a chance to win the game last night. We'll get into all that in just a bit. Uh, but again, just a very, very late night here uh, last night. So uh, stay tuned. And I said, I'll try to be as coherent as I can this morning. Um, before we get to the baseball news uh, from yesterday, Absolutely tragic news yesterday about the death of Columbus Blue Jackets backup goalie Matisse Kivlenix uh, died on the 4th of July as, uh, as the result of a chest injury, a chest trauma from a fireworks accident. It wasn't just, th- these weren't like bottle rockets. <laughs> he had, uh, these were like mortars. And f- somehow, when the fireworks were going off, uh, this one particular one was tilted slightly, and it started firing at people that were gathered at his house. He was actually sitting in a hot tub when this started and tried to get out of the way along with a bunch of other people. Um, took a shot and fell. They originally thought it was a head injury, but after the uh, autopsy, uh, they determined that it was from blunt trauma to his chest. Look, I mean, every year we hear tragic news about uh, guys or people uh, losing limbs or fingers or getting killed by fireworks. These things, you know, everybody's like, oh, it's great, it's fun. You know, and in my neighborhood, over the 4th of July, there were people lighting off fireworks. And here in the state of Connecticut, the only thing that's legal in the state of Connecticut are fountains and sparklers. In other words, things that don't go up in the air and don't explode. Except nobody pays any attention to that. In my neighborhood... On the 4th of July, they were lighting off, 
was, it sounded like cannons. These were not like little, uh, you know, firecrackers. These things were, I mean, a couple of them shook my windows. Those are the kinds of things that get people killed. You know, there's no word on whether this was something that the, the young goaltender had set up on his own or whatever. Uh, but re- it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's just another example of why fireworks outside of the little things are best left to the professionals. God, you feel awful for his family. He was 24 years old and dies from a fire works accident uh, kid was out of Latvia he'd only uh, he signed as a free agent with Columbus back in 2017 only played eight games for them overall so this but he was a kid that uh, there's been some new talk that uh, Columbus might trade uh, one of their goaltenders and uh, he was in line to be perhaps their number two goalie next year and instead uh, his family has to bury him. It's just, I mean, you just feel terrible. Uh, and uh, so, again, folks, you know, f- everybody thinks they're fun, but they're deadly. And let's you, you can't lose sight of that. It's just uh, brutal. And this, on the, uh, this news comes down the morning of the day of uh, Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, and, you know, look... It, it wasn't hockey related, but it's human related. And it was one of those things where everybody that plays in the NHL, you know, you look at it and you say, Jesus, that could have been me. You know, how many, how many people across this country had fireworks uh, on their own property and were doing their own thing? Hell, when I was growing up, as I said, we lived over a lake. My father, my father used to do stuff that was illegal. He would drive to, to the Carolinas and come back with a trunk full of stuff that was illegal to use in, uh, in the state of Connecticut. And we would light them off. And I remember making black powder uh, like uh, bombs, you know, and throwing them into the lake and watching the huge explosion like a depth charge was going off in the lake. You know, uh, and this was my father doing this. Right. And I was a I was a young teenager, uh, you know, and it was it was cool. Right. Yeah. OK. It was cool. And I have a healthy respect for fireworks now. I don't I don't get near the things, you know. Uh, and that doesn't make me any better than anybody else. It's just the older I get, the more chicken I get. I like life. I'm 61 years old. I'd like to live another 30, 40 years. I'm sure there's a lot of people would not like to see that, but I'd like to live a little while yet. So I don't get near them. And again, we don't know whether the kid was involved in this or not. He was sitting in a hot tub when it happened. So uh, whoever was involved was setting them off. Obviously, there was some kind of mishap. Oh, just awful. So then in, in, in that light, the Canadians and the Lightning have to play a game last night. Uh, and uh, good for the Montreal Canadiens. They stayed alive. They beat the Lightning last night in overtime. Uh, Josh Anderson with his second goal of the game about four minutes into the overtime, and so Montreal manages to stay alive. Good for them. Uh, You know, Tampa's going to win this series, obviously. Thank you, Captain Obvious, when you're up three games to one and you were up three games to none. Game five, is in Tampa on Wednesday night. So I guess the good news for Tampa is you'd like to win it in front of your home crowd, and they will have an opportunity to do that on Wednesday night. In playoff history, in case you're wondering, uh, only four teams have come back to win the championship after losing the first three games. 
in playoff history, I should say, not in final history, in playoff history. It only has happened once in the Stanley Cup Finals. And folks, that was 80 years ago, actually 79 years ago when Detroit uh, lost after winning the first three games. Toronto came back to beat them in 1942. The last team to overcome a 3-0 series deficit in the playoffs at all uh, were the Los Angeles Kings back in 2014 when they were down 3-0 to San Jose in a first-round series. So if you think – and look, Montreal came back from a 3-1 deficit to Toronto in the first round of the playoffs. Everybody was putting a fork in them, and they came back and won that, and then they won like 11 of the next 13 games, you know, and they kind of just buzzsawed through the rest of the playoffs. So, you know, they know how to come back, but uh, I would not bet the farm – on this one. So it uh, does game five will be Thursday or excuse me, Wednesday night in Tampa. And uh, it'll be the coronation, I believe of the Tampa Bay lightning uh, for another championship. Um, other news from yesterday, Dave Roberts, the manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, talking to reporters yesterday said that uh, Trevor Bauer uh, will likely not be returning to the team when his seven-day administrative leave ends on Friday. Uh, Of course, as you know, he was put on leave for a week uh, with pay by Major League Baseball after the allegations of sexual assault uh, by a woman were leveled against him. He says it was consensual. Um, And there is supposedly text documentation, text messages, etc., to indicate that it there was some level of uh, cons, you know consensual sex going on, but it sounds like it went far, far beyond it. You look, and I'm not going to get into the um, I'm not going to get into the details because well, this is I mean we just don't need to get into the details. But suffice it to say, if what he did is true and it defi- and it was not completely consensual, not only should uh, he not play Major League Baseball, he should be in jail. I mean, honest to God. Uh, and supposedly there are all, all kinds of graphic images. The woman went to a doctor and, uh, you know, so anyway. But Dave Roberts does not expect him to come back. Obviously, look, this is going to take time to play out. The police are going to do their investigation. He has not been arrested. But the police have actually made comments that, you know, this is uh, far more extensive than they thought. And, uh, again, you know, his agents and he have denied the allegations. And so it's going to be a he said, she said. And in light of what just happened with Bill Cosby getting released uh, from prison, um, after, and, and, and again, whether you believe it or whether you believe it or you like it or not, it was, he was correctly released from prison. It doesn't change what has happened to any of those women. But when you hear the evidence that he should have never been tried in the first place because of a, a previous agreement with the district attorney's office, then, uh, you know, there's no doubt he should have been released. But having said that in light of what happened to Bill Cosby, and, you know, a lot of women saying, well, this is why women don't come forward. Well, here's another woman is, that has come forward. If indeed this is true, and we have to give 
Trevor Bauer, the benefit of the doubt, it's innocent until proven guilty in this country, right? So, you know, we have to give him the benefit of the doubt, but this is going to be a messy, messy case where it's going to be, he said that she said it was okay to do this. She's going to say, well, no, I didn't, you know, uh, and uh, when you've got injuries after one of their encounters and photos of uh, black eyes and bloodied, swollen lips, bruising, uh, scratching, uh, (laughs) doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good for Trevor Bauer, but again, you know, we'll let it play out and, and we'll see what happens, but he is not going to come back to the Dodgers. And if you're the Dodgers, you know, you know, when Dave Roberts said, we don't expect him back. My guess is that the Dodgers have gone to Trevor Bauer and said, don't come back. We don't need this right now. I mean, because can you imagine the furor around the country if he were to come back this weekend and make a start for the Dodgers in the middle of everything that's going on? It's And again, innocent until proven guilty. I get all that. But you know in the court of public opinion, this guy's screwed there would be protests outside the stadium. There would be signs. It would be ugly. So I'm sure the Dodgers have said, look, you know, stay home. It's, you know, we're not throwing you under the bus. You know, we're not, we're not uh, trying to uh, uh, determinate your contract. There's nothing like that. But this is just, you need to deal with this. We need to deal with the uh matter of getting back to playing baseball and not have this swirling around the team because it affects everybody else in the organization so stay home you know it's got to be you know and I, they're not going to come out and say that but i guarantee you that's exactly what happened so uh you know and aren't we all just kind of tired of all these incidents of, of men behaving badly, you know, as and speaking as a man, you know, I mean, uh, I can't even, I can never, I can't even fathom sexually assaulting a woman or not just sexually assaulting, hitting a woman. You know, I mean, I just, you know, I mean, I can only, I can only remember ever being angry enough that I wanted to once, but outside of that, you know, I can't even, and, and obviously I didn't, by the way, but I, I just can't even conceive of that, of actually putting your hands on a woman and, and causing physical harm. And, and I, you know, we just, it seems like it's just one thing after another in this country. And, you know, whether you want to call it the Me Too movement, and I don't necessarily like that term, I just prefer to call it telling the telling the truth movement and not running and hiding movement. That's more what this needs to be about. If something happens, you need to go ahead and say something. You know, and, and I know it's difficult for women, in, you know, and we know that there are many times that uh, uh, prosecutors or, or, you know, defense attorneys for uh, are, will try to uh, besmirch the reputation of somebody that's come forward with assault allegations. It's just It's gross. You know, our legal system um, works in many ways, but in many ways it's broken. There's many things that need to be fixed. That's one of them. And maybe what we need to do, by the way, and this is just a thought, 
But maybe what we need to do is when there are cases like this, they need to be done behind closed doors. They need to be tried, not in front of anybody. You know, the reporters do not need to have access to cases like this because it just inflames things. It just sets women. The women's names should never be revealed when this happens. It should just come out, you know. It just, everything gets done behind closed doors, and the women's names should be protected. Maybe if they came up with some some way to do that, more women would come forward. So anyway, I digress. Let's just, uh, let's just move on and say Trevor Bauer's not coming back to the Dodgers on Friday, and that's a good thing. And then we'll see how the rest of it plays out. But uh, the Dodgers definitely do not need that three-ring circus uh, in the middle of the baseball season. All right, let's get to uh, on-the-field stuff last night because that's much more fun. Uh, last night, the Red Sox headed to Anaheim to face the uh, the peop- the person that people want to say is Babe Ruth, Shohei Otani. He's not Babe Ruth. I'm tired of talking about that, but he is definitely special. And it was his birthday last night. And you're thinking, oh, my God, it's not going to be good. They had a special giveaway last night for his birthday, yada, yada, yada. Um, at the end of the day, Shohei Otani went one for five in this game. But he damn near won it, or at least tied it up. Ninth inning last night, Red Sox have a 5-3 lead. Adam Adovino comes in to close the game out. He's the designated closer last night because the night before or the day before in Oakland, Matt Barnes had to throw 33 pitches in the ninth inning to get his save to 19th save. So, you know, he wasn't going to be available. So Adovino comes in and he, you know, he, he walks the first guy he faces, right? Of course. Now there was one pitch that appeared to be a strike, but they didn't call it. And so he ends up walking Jose Iglesias on four pitches, but then he fans the next two guys on, you know, now during that time, during the two strikeouts, he, Iglesias has stolen second base and then had taken third on defensive indifference. So after Adovino gets the two strikeouts, there's a guy on third, two outs. Uh, Jose Rojas comes in, gets a, a single to left, drives in Iglesias. Um, and then David Fletcher singles. And now all of a sudden, it's first and third, two outs. And the birthday boy and the would-be Babe Ruth is up. Uh, a guy who came into the game with 52 extra base hits this season, 67 runs batted in, and you're thinking, oh, no. You're thinking, at minimum, we're going to extra innings. He's going to do something here to score the runner from third, and and let's hope that's all it is. You know, and the idea for Adovino when he came in the game, look, uh, you know, Otani wasn't on the radar screen. You came in facing the bottom third of the order. If you're Ota- if you're Adovino, you get, you know, those guys in order, and, Otani never comes to bat. So he comes up. Adovino does a good job on him, but on a one-two pitch, Otani gets a hold of one and absolutely crushed the ball. Fortunately for the Red Sox, he crushed it right at Christian Arroyo, the second baseman. Christian Arroyo was playing in shallow right field. If Christian Arroyo had been playing in normal second base position, that's a single to right, probably, 
because the thing was ripped. It's probably a single to right. The game is tied, and uh, you know who knows what happens after that. And I'm not a big I'm not a big metrics guy at all. You know me. I'm not a big analytics guy. But uh, Pete Abraham in the Boston Globe pointed this out this morning. There's a there's a uh, an, uh, one of these new stats. It's called expected batting average. It just seems stupid to me, but it's 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 a mathematical formula that measures the speed of the ball, the angle, you know, the the exit velocity, if you want, the angle the ball was hit at, and then determines what the likelihood is that that ball that was hit is going to be a base hit. So it's called expected batting average. All it basically tells you is how hard somebody hit the ball, where they hit the ball, and you know, under normal circumstances, would have been a hit. Well, according to this metric, the expected batting average on the ball that Otani hit was 9-10. 91 times out of 100, that ball that Otani hits, according to this metric, should have been a hit. But with the shift... And, uh, you know, the the fact that teams are allowed to have guys stationed in shallow right field and make no mistake, Arroyo was a good 10, 15 feet into the outfield. One hop, picks it up, throws it out, game over. Merry Christmas. And, I'm a, and I am a guy, by the way, that, that I've said I want to see the shift done away with. You know, uh, I'm sure Shohei Otani after last night would like to see the shift done away with as well. But, you know, I want to see guys, you know, the old-fashioned way when I was a kid, you know. Another one of these get-off-my-lawn moments for the old guy. But, you know, if a guy hits the snot out of the ball, you know, I, I don't want to see a guy sitting in the outfield like it's a, a shallow, uh, like the fourth outfielder in slow-pitch softball. It's not, it's not what this game was, how this game was designed. But having said that, I'll take it. Uh, so Atani goes one for five on his birthday and the Red Sox win. They get a solid start out of Martin Perez last night. It wasn't great, um, but it was good enough. He gave up eight hits in five and a third innings, struck out three, walked one, but he only gave up two runs. Only one of those runs was earned. Um, but at the end of the day, you'll take it. You know, with uh, that couple of times around the the uh, the rotation where you know guys like Perez and Richards and Pavetta were getting nailed, it's been refreshing to see the last week. Everybody came out this last turn in the rotation and did a good job, including Garrett Richards, who'd been uh, you know practically target practice on the mound uh, since the uh, sticky stuff was outlawed. So Perez picks up his seventh win of the season. Sawamura comes out of the bullpen, uh, does a pretty good job. He does. He goes an inning and a third. He ends up giving up a home run to Luis Rojas in the seventh inning, but it was a solo shot, but that made it a 5-3 game. Josh Taylor, another scoreless appearance last night. Uh, he, he's been ridiculous. Uh, honest to God. Uh, it was his uh, 26th consecutive scoreless appearance. Sets a Red Sox record. I mean, it, just nuts. Um, opponents are hitting like 140 against this guy. He gets four outs last night, strikes out two of them. 
And then Adovino comes on, and you know, we have already highlighted what happened in the ninth inning, but you know, escaped. So um, solid win for the Red Sox. You will take that all day long. And they have now won 10 of their last 11 games. They are a season-high 22 games over 500. They're 12 games over 500 on the road. I mean, you know, you just you, you, you go down the list of stuff for this Red Sox team, and it just continues to be mind-boggling. Oh, and the other thing last night, outfield assists. Here we go again. Another runner thrown out at the plate. Jose Rojas was... Uh, nailed at the plate, a, a play that had to go to replay because on the original look, the home plate umpire called him safe on the throw from the outfield by Danny Santana, but they review it, and guess what? He was out. And then another play last night where the Angels ran themselves out of an inning. In the sixth inning, Gosselin leads off with a single. Max Stassi, Hits a ball to the wall in, in right center. Gosselin goes to third. Well, Stassi, Stassi, by the way, who's a catcher, who are not generally known as speed merchants, decides, well, I'm going to try to turn this into a double. Well, guess what? Kike Hernandez throws him out at second base. Red Sox get out of the inning without giving up a run thanks to that. 28 outfield assists already for this Red Sox team. 28. In, what, 86 games. Think about this. In 2019, when they had the Benintendi, Betts, and Jackie Bradley Jr. outfield, they had, what, uh, 40 outfield assists in 162 games. So they're only 12 behind an incredible outfield that had 40 back in 2019. So, again, as I said yesterday, you know, there's people that really, you know, miss uh, Mookie. Well, of course we miss Mookie. He's a special talent. And talk about, you know, romantically about Jackie Bradley Jr. and Andrew Benatay. Say what you want. This Red Sox outfield has been absolutely ridiculous. Hunter Renfro, of course, leading the way out there. But Alex Verdugo, Kike Hernandez, and now you've got Danny Santana chipping in. And we ha- we've had uh, J.D. Martinez with a few outfielders. you got to be kidding me. I mean, this team just... You know, it kind of reminds you of that 2018 team that Alex Cora's first year as manager when it seemed like everything they did and every move that uh, Alex Cora made worked. You know, and last night, by the way, Danny Santana is not even supposed to be in the game. He came in as a defensive replacement because uh, Marwin Gonzalez, who got the start in left field, uh, had to leave. I think in the third inning because of some hamstring tightness. So that's the only reason Santana was even in the game. So he takes Gonzalez out, leaves Verdugo on the bench, who was getting a planned day off. So they bring in Santana. Well, what happens? He gets the outfield assist. Not only that, he has an RBI single at the the same time. I mean, just come on. Everything is is coming up right, and you just kind of, and I know it's only 86 games, and I know you can't get carried away, but you just kind of feel it. You smell it that something special could happen with this team. I mean, it's already 22 games over 500 at this point is special. But there's a lot of work left to be done. But, man, with all this stuff going down, you just you just feel it. Uh, by the way, Chris Sale's going to pitch some batting practice today, uh, live batting practice at Fort Myers. Or Although it was supposed to be today, 
They may not do that because there's uh, Hurricane Elsa is going to hit Florida today. In fact, they've already postponed the Tampa Rays game scheduled tonight against Cleveland. They're going to play a doubleheader on Wednesday uh, because of the storm. It's actually uh, supposed to make landfall around the Tampa area. So there's a good chance in Fort Myers Chris Sale is going to not pitch today. But if, if it won't be today, it'll be tomorrow. Connor Seabold supposed to do the same thing. But uh, if everything goes well with Sale on this one, he is going to start a rehab assignment perhaps next week. You know, so you want to talk about special. They're doing all this without Chris Sale, and he is very close to coming back. That's pretty exciting. Uh, one other quick Red Sox note before we go to break. Um, they opened up a spot on their 40-man roster yesterday, and everybody, and you kind of go, hmm, I wonder what they're going to do. Well, Edward Bizzardo, um was reinstated from the minor league injured list. They recalled him from Worcester and then placed him on the major league 60-day list. So it's a lot of uh, basically uh, technical paperwork. But by having him on the 60-day IL, it opens up a 40-man roster spot that, that uh, Bizzardo had. And now you wonder, what will the Red Sox do? They've got a spot open. So that means if they make an acquisition, they don't have to make a, another corresponding roster move to put that guy on your 40-man roster. So, hmm. Bloom might be, um, maybe something's in the works. Who knows? We'll see. It is uh, 34 minutes past the hour. I've done pretty well for a guy that hasn't had a lot of sleep. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 37 minutes past the hour on a Tuesday morning. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. It's July the 6th. Time flies when you're having fun. We're over halfway done for the year. Uh, and I'm over uh, halfway there, halfway uh, done for the year and headed uh, to North Carolina. My hope, my wife and I are really hoping to be able to move by the end of the year. Uh, we just sold my uh, ex-in-law's property. Uh, and uh, so now next is uh, to get this place here ready to go. And we'll be moving our studios south to the land of very little snow. And I can hardly wait for that. <laughs> not going to have to worry about snow today. It's supposed to be in the 90s here in the Northeast. So it's going to be a sticky one. Uh, for the next couple of days, humidity going back up as well. Uh, one other note about the Angels. Uh, Joe Madden has spoken to Kevin Cash, the manager of the American League. And Madden has uh, said to Cash, hey, look, uh, I know that you know Otani has been named as both a pitcher and the, desig- the starting designated hitter for the American League. And Joe Madden has actually encouraged Cash to allow Otani to pitch. He said, look, uh, you know, do it all. Otani has said that he wants to do that. Madden is fully behind it. Um, How that's going to work, we don't know. I mean, you know, here's the thing. You know, the problem is, is that in order to have him play both ways, I don't, it means that you don't have a designated hitter. So let's say they decide that Otani's going to start the game. Well, that means you're starting the game with the pitcher in the batting order, not a designated hitter. And that means that every time the pitcher's slot comes up, you have to pinch hit for it. Although, but they do that anyway. So that, I guess at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter. You know, if they name him as the DH, well then, you know, maybe, I, you know, to me, what I think will happen is, is he won't start the game. He'll start the game as a designated hitter. He'll DH his first couple of at-bats. And then they'll bring him in later um, as a pitcher. Then they lose the DH spot, and, you know, and then that gives them an opportunity. Look, they've got I think what thirty-five guys on each team, so they've got plenty of 
uh, bats that they can use as pinch hitters when the pitcher slot comes up. So I have a feeling uh, that we'll see that. Maybe a lot of double switches uh, for Kevin Cash to have to deal with in order to allow Otani to do that. But, hey, look, it's unique. you know. And I don't know how many times he's going to be named as both a pitcher and a hitter in the All-Star game. He's doing pretty well at both. He's been a better hitter than he has been a pitcher. But at the same time, he's still been, uh, you know, pretty good. So, you know, this may not happen every year. So uh, Joe Madden has told Kevin Cash to go for it. Don't worry about it. I mean, obviously, you know, you don't want him to go out there and pitch three innings. But I'm sure Joe Madden has said, hey, look, let him pitch an inning and, and we're fine with that. Uh, so and I'm sure Madden and, and obviously for that, Madden is going to have to work out his rotation with the Angels so that it won't impact um, uh, his turn around the rotation with them as well. So. The Red Sox, with that win, as I said, 22 games over 500. They retain their four-and-a-half game lead over the Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa comes back to win yesterday. They took a 4 nothing lead in this one in the second inning. Brandon Lau with a grand slam home run, the first one of his career. So they jump out to a 4 nothing lead, and it looks like they are going to run away and hide uh, from a very bad Cleveland Indians team, or a Cleveland Indians team that is playing badly right now anyway. But... Cleveland comes up with four in the fifth and then three more in the sixth. And all of a sudden, from being down 4 nothing, they lead 8-5 going into the bottom of the sixth. Tampa gets one back in the sixth, another one in the seventh. And then they score two in the bottom of the ninth. And uh, they end up winning the game over the Cleveland Indians by a final of 9-8. to eight. Uh, Tampa has now won two straight. Cleveland can't get out of its own way lately. They are in a nosedive. They have lost seven in a row, nine of the last ten. Um, the only advantage that they have had, the saving grace, I guess you could call it, is that the Chicago White Sox are in a bit of a funk and have lost three in a row of their own. So Cleveland's deficit now uh, in the AL Central sits at six games. So And it, it could be a lot worse, but fortunately for them, uh, you know, the White Sox have stumbled a little bit. Uh, today, it'll be uh, J.C. Mejia getting the start for the Indians. Uh, they've had so many injuries with Aaron Savali down now as well. Uh, so J.C. Mejia of the 1-3 and, and 6.18 ERA uh, will get the start in Game 1 on Wednesday. Uh, Sam Henkes will get the start in Game 2. And then it'll be Waka and uh, a bullpen game. Uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays in uh, the doubleheader that's coming on Wednesday after today's planned postponement because of the storm. Um, New York Mets, you know, look, I, I would uh, be lying if I said I wasn't surprised by this outcome with the way that the Milwaukee Brewers had been going. They had Brandon Woodruff on the mound last night who had an ERA of under two going into the game, but the Mets get four runs off of Woodruff. They only had four hits, but they scored four runs. Woodruff struck out six, and uh, they beat the Milwaukee Brewers four to two. Uh, the Brewers had been red hot, and uh, this was a win. It, this has got to be a confidence-boosting win for the Mets. And I mean, that's going to sound kind of strange, but this is a Mets team. It's in first place in the NL East, but look, they haven't been playing great. They've been playing okay. They've been playing 500 baseball. There's six games over 500 right now, but they haven't exactly been uh, lighting the world on fire, right? And that Milwaukee team that's now lost two in a row but has won eight of 
their last 10 and has gone from, you know, sitting in third place in the NL Central to leading and uh, threatening to run away and hide, although the Cincinnati Reds may have something to say about that. Uh, that's a good win last night uh, for the New York Mets. And, you know, you're sending out a rookie. McGill got the start and two hits and one run over five innings, struck out seven. Impressive. And then the Met bullpen uh, did a pretty good job. Seth Lugo picks up the win. He pitched a, sc- a scoreless inning of relief, striking out two uh, when the Mets took that lead. Edwin Diaz picked up his 18th save. It wasn't clean. He ended up giving up a run on two hits and also walking a batter, but still picks up save number 18 and the Mets with the win in the game last night. Um, The Washington Nationals, another team that is trying to hang in there in the NL East, but a team that another one of those teams that's been struggling a little bit. uh, They pick up a win yesterday, uh, snapping a three-game losing streak. They beat the San Diego Padres 7-5. to five. Uh, John Lester, who uh, looks like, you know, and I've always been a big John Lester fan, and I remember in the offseason there were people that thought the Red Sox should go out and try to sign John Lester to the staff. Um, John looks like he is uh, reaching the end of the road. Um, and I mean, the Cubs saw that. They didn't, you know, elect to keep him he signs with Washington as a free agent he goes out yesterday and three and a third gives up six hits five runs not only two of them were earned but he walked four guys you know his defense didn't do him any favors uh you know with a big error that led to some unearned runs but he still gave up six hits and four walks in three and a third innings he's got an ERA of about five and a half so uh, as big a fan I am of him as it looks like uh uh he is reaching the end of the road but the good news for Washington was a bullpen that has been much maligned, gives them five and two-thirds one-hit innings yesterday. I mean, that's uh, I don't care who you are, that's impressive. Brad Hand picked up his 19th save. Joe Musgrove, he of the no-hitter, got the start for San Diego, gave up five runs and seven hits in five innings. Didn't factor into the decision as the Washington won it off the bullpen, but uh, still a, uh, a solid win for Washington last night. They needed it. Um, and they now sit four games behind the New York Mets, a half a game ahead of the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies, who are tied uh, for third place in that division. Um, so that's where we're at as far as that goes. It's 46 minutes past the hour. We've got to take one more break. We're back in a minute. We'll go back to the American League, and uh, we've also got the NBA Finals starting tonight. So we'll talk about all that when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call. Got a few minutes before we head out of here this morning. So the Minnesota Twins trying to keep some hope alive. I I mean, look, I got to be honest. I don't think they have any hope. But uh, they pick up a win yesterday over the Chicago White Sox, who have now lost three in a row. Minnesota with the victory yesterday, 8-5. to They send a rookie to the mound in uh, Bailey Ober. And uh, he throws five scoreless innings, picks up his first major league victory. Um, <laughs> Caleb Thielbar tried to throw it away as he gave up four runs and four hits in an inning of work. Uh, uh, but uh, fortunately, uh, Taylor Rogers and uh, Robles were able to calm things down, and Minnesota ends up winning this one. Uh, Dylan Cease got the start for Chicago, got roughed up six runs and uh, six hits in five and a third innings. But, uh, look, 
everybody that uh, follow, that kind of covers the Minnesota Twins think this is a team that should be looking to sell. And when you look at the standings, they're what eleven ga- or thirteen games under five hundred. They're thirteen and a half back. They're not going to catch the Chicago White Sox. I don't even think they're going to catch the Cleveland Indians, who are in second place and six games back. Um, they've got a lot of pieces, and you know you just wonder, um, you know, if they might be looking to sell one guy. I don't think they will sell Max Kepler. A couple of home runs last night. He had a two-run homer in the second. Um, and uh, then added another one later on in the game. and uh, So I don't think he'll be on the move, but it would not shock me if guys like Hansel Robles, the guy who got the save last night, he was a piece that people would probably want to get their hands on. Uh, Josh Donaldson, you know, now I don't know. You know, his better days are behind him, but still a dangerous right-handed bat. Nelson Cruz, who's dealing with a bit of a, a neck issue right now, but even at 41 years of age, a guy that is dangerous as all get out, you know, they're not going to give up their young players. You know, they're not giving up Alex Kirilov. I don't think they're giving up Max Kepler. Uh, you know, uh, Andrelton Simmons, though, might be a piece that could be available. Uh, not the guy, the, not the player he used to be, but still an elite defender at shortstop. Maybe Miguel Sano is a guy that they would be willing to move. I mean, look, Sano has... Uh, he's picked it up, but he's still hitting under 200. He had a couple of hits yesterday, but, uh, you know, a guy that looks like maybe a change of scenery would be a good thing for him, you know? Uh, so those are, and, and Jose Barrios's name has been thrown out there. I'll tell you what, if Jose Barrios is traded, I mean, that's probably the piece they can get the most back for. I don't know whether they'll pull that trigger or not, but I know the Yankees have been linked to them. Um, I could see it happening. But a win, a good win last night for Minnesota. But I just, I don't. Th- no matter what they, you know, what they hope, I don't think uh, they have a prayer in hell of staying in this thing. How about the Detroit Tigers? Another win yesterday. They uh, beat the Rangers, which is no great feat. But still, you know, I, I, I'm rooting for AJ Hinch. I still think, uh, you know, that this Tigers team has an opportunity to be good a couple of years down the line. They've got some decent young players. If they can figure out the pitching, and they've got a couple of young pitchers that are pretty good, but if they can, you know, maybe open the purse strings a little bit up and, and bring in some better pitching, I think this team can can compete. And they're competing now. They've won 7 of 10. They've won three in a row. Uh, they're only seven games under five you You'd have to say that this Tiger team is overachieving. Um, and I think, you know, you've got, you could point right to A.J. Hinch being there. Uh, Jose Urania is going to get the start in the game today uh, against Dane Dunning for the, the uh, Rangers, so we'll see if they can keep it going. Uh, I mentioned the Cincinnati Reds earlier uh, trying to uh, make a run of it in the NL Central. The Reds have now won five in a row. They beat the Royals yesterday 6-2. to two. Uh, Gutierrez picks up his fourth win of the season uh, Sean Doolittle actually uh, pitching pretty well for this Cincinnati team this year. But Nick Castellanos, uh, the all-star, hit his 17th home run of the season yesterday, as did Eugenio Suarez. It was his 17th as well. Suarez's shot was a three-run job. Suarez struggling this year, though, only hitting 178. Uh, but this Reds team, uh, you know, four games over 500, And uh, you'd have to say they're overachieving a little bit. Uh, but they've won seven of ten and five in a row. Uh, the San Francisco Giants lose yesterday to the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Kevin Gaussman 
Only gave up three hits and two runs in seven innings, but the St. Louis uh, pitching staff was led by uh, their starting pitcher, Kim. Kim went seven shutout innings yesterday, only gave up three hits. They did pick up three runs off the bullpen, but uh, by then their team had built a big enough lead, and St. Louis now two games under five hundred, and the Giants fall to 53-31, and uh, but still a half-game lead in the NL West because the Los Angeles Dodgers lose yesterday to the Miami Marlins 5-4. to four. Uh, Walker Bueller got the start, was not sharp, four runs in five innings of work, uh, and uh, the Marlins do just enough to pick up the win yesterday. They actually uh, win it late um, with two runs in, excuse me, a run in the bottom of the eighth inning. That was the difference there. So the Dodgers still 21 games over 500, still in the hunt. And uh, But uh, San Francisco gets a break yesterday when they lose, but so do the Dodgers and the Padres, the two teams chasing them. Uh, and how about, boy, the Pittsburgh Pirates put a hurting yesterday on the Atlanta Braves. Remember I was talking yesterday, Max Fried had come in and uh, you know had the game-winning RBI single and uh, with the bases loaded in extra innings and, he was the hero. Well, he got on the mound yesterday, and he probably wishes he had been hitting instead. Uh, five innings, gave up seven hits and six runs, uh, picked up uh, the loss. He is now 5-5 five and five on the season, 11-1. to one. <laughs> Chase DeYoung got the start for Pittsburgh in five innings, just one run, and then the bullpen uh, keeps things together, and the Pirates win this one. Uh, ben Gamble, two home runs yesterday for the Pittsburgh Pirates as uh, they pick up the victory. The Phillies yesterday with another win. Uh, they beat the Cubs. The Cubs, woof. David Ross's Cubs have now lost 10 in a row. They went from first place in this division. They were 42-33. and 33. They went from leading the division to eight and a half back in the span of two weeks. Yee. That, uh, that is uh, brutal. Zach Davies got the start for Chicago yesterday. Wasn't bad, but the bullpen was hideous. It was so bad they had to throw Eric Sogard out there uh, to throw an inning. It went uh, to the to the position player, and uh, for the Phillies, uh, you know, they're hanging in there. They're not getting great pitching, but they're getting enough. Uh, Bryce Harper yesterday with a uh, one for three afternoon hitting 287. Now uh, Andrew McCutcheon with three hits, a guy that a lot of people think might be available if the Phillies decide they're not in this thing. But I don't know how they can say that uh, when they're still only four and a half back and the Mets are playing, you know, just good enough. But uh, I don't think the Phillies are going to be sellers. I don't know that they're going to be buyers either. They may just be stuck in neutral and pray something good happens. Well, that's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of The Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with some music from Toby Keith. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.